You know, we okay, let me just set the stage really yeah. quickly. We had a really nice afternoon, me and you, right? Yes. I did. came over to your house. Mm-hmm. We made a wonderful veggie chili. We watched the Eagles game with your husband and our dear colleague Chris Ryan. And good lord, the Eagles pulled it out. You know, it was a miraculous victory. The, it, the heavens opened up. It seemed like a good omen. Yes. Of things to come. This could have been a wonderful night for A Star is Born. It could have been a wonderful night for If Beale Street Could Talk and a wonderful night for Vice, a wonderful night for any movie that we like. And it, it mostly was not. No. It mostly was not. The show started and then stuff happened. Welcome to Mark as Played, the movie podcast on movie podcasts. I'm your host, Michael Denniston, and that was the Big Picture podcast, who shared, I think, some similar feelings with a lot of the podcasts and bloggers that we saw on Twitter and social media on this week's Golden Globes. So for this episode, we're going to give all of you guys... Probably not the people at the big picture or the ringer, because I doubt they're checking out our show, but for the rest of you lovely people, a little bit of a pep talk, and maybe even a harsher reality check than Bohemian Rhapsody and Green Book winning the top prizes at the Golden Globes, because we're here to tell you that award shows, they're not going to save you, and they're not going to save film culture. You have to do that yourself. We have to do that. See what I mean about this being a depressing episode? It gets much worse. As soon as Andrew Pierce of The Curb joins me on the newest episode of Mark as Played. Welcome to another Mark as Played, and thankfully for our listeners, they've been demanding it, they've been asking for it, an episode without Hiro. So, Andrew, of Now the Curb, <laughs> you are going to be in his stead. You have to play the part of not Hiro, so just be decidedly un like if that's possible. Well, that's, that's easy. I don't have a German accent, so it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I do think that's probably why there's a drop in fandom for him, is that he's yeah. an international man, and he's not on brand any anymore. He's not a Florida man. So, as I said, um, you you are a, a sort of an original band member of Marcus Plate, but since the last time you were on, uh, you've started a uh, different, new, fresh website with various podcast subject matter uh i think knives are involved i think i don't know i think i have that right in my notes so just let the listeners know what you're up to now since it's been a while uh so i run a website called the curb uh which breaks down to being culture unity reviews and banter i don't like the word banter but it fits um yeah and i do (laughs) why don't you like the word banter what's what's wrong with that word in particular you know all the kids nowadays they're like oh you know on on the dating apps and stuff like that they're all like (laughs) Must have good bands. Good bands. Got to have great bands. Holy shit. I have never heard this. But I'm also oh, old. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and you're also married as well. But <laughs> that's, that's also uh, very good. Stay on brand. My wife's not yeah. listening, but sure. 
<laughs> but the uh, you know yeah. So I won't go into why I don't like the word banter. It's just a stupid word. But um, yeah, I talk about Australian culture, uh, politics, uh, films, and stuff like that uh, on podcast. Uh, there is a uh, I I have multiple different names for the podcast on there. So there's one called Not a Knife, which is literally about everything that isn't knives, except for uh, Crocodile Dundee. It has nothing to do with Crocodile Dundee because. Not a good film, uh, and a bunch of other stuff. Yeah, so that's it. <laughs> uh, as you can tell, I've gotten even better at promoting myself uh, since I was last on this show. <laughs> I just like that you had to include a, a shot uh, on Crocodile Dundee, just <laughs> continuing to kick that film, uh, but also yeah, very much not like Hiro, who I think is a huge fan of the he, uh, greatest is, achievement yeah. in Australian cinema. Uh, according uh, to the him. highest grossing Australian film yeah. ever made. Yeah. yeah. Uh, all right. Sad. So you, you, uh, you know, you talk about various things and there's a definitely, um, more politics, uh, in your content that, than I guess would be in Marcus played, but that kind of, kind of fits with what we're going to talk about today with award season, which is the Hollywood version of the political campaign process, the ups and downs. And I guess, Golden Globes for the mainstream audiences, since it is televised, is like the starting gun for the Oscars, even though there there have been some critic prizes that come out in early December. Uh, so there's been a lot of conversation in our circles about the legitimacy of the Golden Globes. And I guess in general, just the uproar with Green Book and Bohemian Rhapsody taking best comedy and best drama. Even though I, I was kind of – even watching it, I think I was confused why Bohemian Rhapsody was winning because I thought – I was like, wait, isn't that a – is it not a musical? Is that not in that category? But okay, fine, whatever. Yeah. Who knows? Who knows? Because The Star is Born is also a drama and, and not a musical, which uh, I find strange. But nonetheless um, – Were I the don't... drama offerings that bad this year for the Golden Globes that they had to – kind of reshape the category because even like the favorite which would be like the film twitter darling also a comedy in my mind you put it in the comedy category yeah but then i've heard people talk about the favorite like oh it's actually pretty tragic and i'm like oh, i don't know it's pretty no funny. rabbits died in that movie yeah like <laughs> it's not that tragic <laughs> like it's fine i like yeah, that it's... that's your <laughs> the one thing <laughs> they didn't kill a rabbit <laughs> it's good they can do whatever else they want to these women that's fine look you know we're not going to talk about the favorite too much but <laughs> As soon as those rabbits appeared, I'm like, one of those rabbits is going <laughs> to die. <laughs> it is not going to look good for them. They're fine. Spoiler alert, they're okay. Yeah. I'm glad to hear it as a man on Twitter <laughs> that was really happy that Glenn Close won, who I think is most famous on screen for not being too, uh, too good that with the rabbits. That wasn't a real rabbit. Yeah, that wasn't a real rabbit. So <laughs> well, it's thank, okay. But... <laughs> thank God. <laughs> I didn't even know that was up for debate, Andrew. <laughs> Well, yeah, I'm just, I, you know, putting listeners uh, at ease there. But yeah, I was very happy that Glenn Close won um, this uh, nonsensical award. Um, like, I like the awards. I, I enjoy the awards. But I don't know. The Golden Globes, uh, I've written two notes about the Golden Globes. And it's like, I've written, it's like an audition speech for the Oscars. So, you know, as soon as Glenn, Glenn Close won, uh, she had this really, really quite good speech, which was basically summarizing the plot of the wife into uh, three minutes of talking. Um, and, you know, it was good. Like, I, I'm sure that majority of people have never seen the wife, but they're, you know, they're ticking that box because it's Glenn Close and, hey, you know, she deserves awards, uh, finally. Um, 
Is she the so, most nominated uh, actress without winning at this point? Like living? Yeah, this is seven nominations yeah. and, and no wins. Yeah. So this is a pretty uh, good which, audition. That speech and getting that awareness on that film may yeah. you know, put her back in the uh, the pole position. Yeah, well, everybody, all the, the pundits and stuff like that were talking, were like, you know, that's that's Glenn Close's Oscar speech. And, and, and I was listening to a few different podcasts and stuff like that, not ones that I'll mention uh, just yet. <laughs> but, um, but they're all like, well, they're ones that you've talked about before on, on this show, but they're all talking about, oh, you know, it's a real shame that Lady, Lady Gaga, Lady Gaga didn't get her chance at, you know, she, she let Mark Ronson talk and at, you know, and so she didn't get a speech and have her moment to have her speech uh, and have her, you know, Oscar audition there for winning for Shallow. Um, it's a real shame that she didn't get to do that uh, because, you know, then that could have given a, a stronger race between her and Olivia Coleman and Glenn Close. I'm like, get off your high horse. Like, it's just, you know. So you, you don't really buy care. into that necessarily? I mean, yeah, no, I do buy into it because, but only for the women right because <laughs> <laughs> careful now <laughs> <laughs> the reason why only for the women is that the year that matthew mcconaughey was winning i mean you listen to every single award that he was you know winning that year like his speech was just like google translate and it just Sir, made no sense greatest <laughs> oscar speech I've ever heard where he thinks himself. I was like, man, that would be me. <laughs> if I ever got that, that's exactly what I would do. <laughs> Cause I did this. No one else. Yeah. yeah. Well, which is fair, but like every single speech leading up to that, he was like talking about space and stuff like that. I'm like, are you okay, Matthew? You know, blink <laughs> twice if you know, things aren't going well for you, but you correct know, me so if I'm wrong. Wasn't that the true detective uh, launch in January wasn't that during award season and True Detective was such a uh, buzzy show and he was so good in it I always felt that's what got him his Oscar for a film role role was the television series True Detective yeah and I think that's the other thing where like people are talking about Olivia Colm and they're like oh of course she's going to be uh, on consideration because she's doing The Crown and stuff like this and and then the same thing with uh claire foy they're like oh she was in the crown so therefore she'll win for first man and it's like uh, no and doesn't work that way um but yeah i don't know i just I, that's why i think like a good speech like glenn closes gets them in the door and and cements them to win an oscar um and i don't know the golden globes i just think like the other note which i wrote was there was like they're like cleaner fish you know that that are on whales and stuff like that they just <laughs> You know, you got this whale, this huge whale, which is like the Oscars, and you got this cleaner fish hanging off the side, and they're like, "I'll take that," you know, "I'll take, I'll, I'll take this," you know, kind of thing, taking credit for for what the big whale is currently doing. I, I always think that's how Dick Clark actually uh, would uh, present the show. Yeah. Well, Dick Clark Productions—that was their pitch for this NBC. <laughs> He's sitting down there, guys. All right, so there's this whale, and so there's these little fish. <laughs> are you saying it's sort of the opposite of like the uh, what's accused of the uh, critic prizes? So like when the Los Angeles Film Critics or the New York uh, Film Critics Circle, when they release, they sort of position their film. Uh, I always felt like they, those awards felt like they're trying to do something different. That they don't necessarily want to be unified. That they want to have their own their own film that they're pushing forward into the uh, awards narrative. 
Well, I mean, there's, what, 90 people who make up the members of Golden Globes or the HFPA, um, Hollywood Foreign Press Association. Who are these people? We'll never know. But, you know, they, even though they've never said this, there is that feeling that they want to be, you know, the leading charge for the award season. They want to be like, uh, we gave this award to this film first. You know, we awarded uh, Catherine Bigelow, you know, uh, well, they actually didn't award Catherine Bigelow, did they? They gave it to James Cameron. But it's like they, they're like, you know, we sided with James Cameron because he's bigger and all this kind of stuff. We gave it to X, Y, and Z first. And and they want to, they want to appear like they're creating the conversation, that they're mm, the right. leading charge of the conversation. But on the flip side, there's the cynical side of me, which is like, well, there's 90 people who... We don't know who they are, but they like to rub shoulders with famous people, which is why, you know, Angelina Jolie and uh, Johnny Depp got nominated for The Tourist, which is such a fantastic comedy slash musical that it's like, you know, one of the best comedy musicals of all time, you know, but <laughs> like, it's just fantastic. And of course, the Golden Globe seal of approval means everything to that. And that's well where to, I'm a little to bit... the tourist it does because that was it yeah. that was the, that was the end of the run for them. <laughs> it was, yeah, exactly, but. That's the cynical part of me is like the only purpose of them nominating that particular film was so that Johnny Depp and Angelina Jolie had to go to the award ceremony. And, and that's part of the cynical side of me. I haven't, you know, the two major films that won, uh, Green Book and Bohemian Rhapsody, I haven't seen them yet and I won't be watching Bohemian Rhapsody. I've got no interest in it. But it's like they knew that Queen or the remaining members of Queen were going to be there. Hmm. And... So this is their photo opportunity to be like, oh, by the way, you know, we met the members of Queen kind of thing. How how else, what better way to invite somebody who you want to meet to your birthday party than give them an award? And so, yeah, that's, that's, that's my cynical point of view because they don't give a shit about, you know, the politics behind the film, Brian Singer and all that kind of stuff. They don't care about that. They just want to meet somebody famous. They want to get that photo opportunity. It's that. It's like that guy who screwed it up for Moonlight at the Oscars because he was getting a photo with Emma. Emma, what's her face? Um, How dare you, sir? <laughs> what's her surname again? <laughs> yeah, Emma Stone. And I have to admit, uh, much like McConaughey's speech, I would also have done the same. Totally worth it. <laughs> screwed it up for Moonlight, but you made uh, you made an Oscar moment, which I think the the cynics at the time were thinking like. Oh, this is this was a purposeful accident, which I don't believe. I also don't think it worked out too badly for the Academy either. Like it looks bad, but it also was a buzzy subject matter for you know the two weeks after the show was over. I think exactly. Um, I like your point about Bohemian Rhapsody because I guess, and I've not seen it, and I'll just be you know forthcoming that it's not for political reasons. Uh, because I've never really cared for Brian Singer as a filmmaker anyway. Like, he could be the nicest guy in the world, which he's not. And since I'm editing the show, <laughs> <laughs> I will emphasize that point. Nothing will be cut out, thankfully, since Hyro doesn't have his grubby German fingers uh, over this. Um, I've never cared for it, and doubly so, I've never really cared for Queen. I don't have anything against the band, but I have never, I've never decided I'm going to listen to Queen today. I'm, I'm aware, certainly, of the songs that are in the trailers and the ones I saw, the clips in the award show. So I didn't have any interest in it, and I was scratching my head. I guess with that bias in mind against Queen, then I'm like, wow, I thought the Golden Globes were star fuckers. Like, why the hell were they doing yeah. this? This uh, Who is this guy? Is this Mr. Robot? Why do, they want, why do they want a picture with him? Can anybody get a picture with Mr. Robot? Like, why aren't they going with the stars born? In my mind, 
I was going into the this telecast thinking Lady Gaga, Bradley Cooper, Starsborn, that's going to be a sweep because that's, to me, the glitziest one. So I had not considered <laughs> this one shot for Queen. Like, yep, this is the only movie they're going to be involved with. That's a fair point. Well, yeah, I hadn't considered yeah, it. Yeah, that's it. Like, they're, they're, it's, this is their one chance. And if you look at the other films that were nominated, what, Black Panther, Black Klansman, um, Star is Born, and what was the other one as well? Some... Uh, uh, something else. Uh, but there was nobody famous in there. Like they, these are easily accessible people. Like they're they're people who you can <laughs> find on the street. Like oh, it's Bradley Cooper. No worries. You know, yeah. it's like. But there's yeah. not a day going by that I'm not going to my favorite uh, donut place. That <laughs> <laughs> there's Bradley <laughs> reading the tweets talking about what a loser he is for not getting the gold globe. <laughs> Well, yeah, that's the other thing. I heard some discussion where they're like, why was he wearing a white suit? Did he really think that he was going to win that hard that he was going to wear a white suit to be like all stylish and stuff? I'm like, hey, leave his fashion sense out. That white suit was uh, pretty smick. He's also uh, sitting next to Lady Gaga. So, you need, I mean, you can't just be in your, your regular, I guess, Golden Globe attire if there is such a thing. I guess for Bradley Cooper there is. They, I mean, yeah. they both look great. That that also goes to my theory where I'm like, God, those those people probably should have been on the stage. I'm saying this. I'm not saying this is a Stars Born super fan. I'm just saying, for better television, not even talking about the quality, which seems to be what people um, are hung up on. This is an, an outrage because uh, Bohemian Rhapsody is not well liked among cinephiles. It's a massive oh, success at the box office and with, I guess, mainstream audiences. But I'm just saying it probably would have been better television to have Lady Gaga give a speech. Nothing against yeah. Glenn Close. The fake rabbit killer, but <laughs> <laughs> and and that's the other thing as well. Like for for those who are interested in film and stuff like that, like hearing Glenn Close talk about the industry is good. It's interesting and and you know it's a lot like uh, when Meryl Streep talked and and um, Oprah Winfrey did it previous years. Like those speeches are interesting, but the general public doesn't care about that and. And I wonder if the general public cares about these kinds of events at all. Like they always go on about how many people are actually watching these things and they lower every year. Like nobody gives a shit. Nobody cares. And <laughs> like I've got the right guy to come on talk of gloves. <laughs> <laughs> well that's that's the thing. Like I, I made a you know, a jab at the hangover the other day on Twitter about how like I took great oh, offense that's... to that as well. Yeah, well, no, it's mostly because it's like that is one of the last true comedies that actually won comedy slash musical. Oh, okay. It's like, All right. you know, does that actually elevate it any higher that because it won comedy no, slash no. musical? Like, it doesn't. No, the and Hangover people, fans like, don't care if it wins awards. That's not its purpose. Exactly. Yeah, and when when Deadpool was nominated, and people were like, oh my god, Deadpool is nominated. Can you imagine if it won an award? Yeah, you guys would be all, you know hyper about it for about five minutes and then once your red cordials eased down you would have forgotten about it and it's like <laughs> i don't know it's like it doesn't matter you know just the same with the hangover for deadpool it doesn't matter if, they, if, if it wins an award or not um but for some people it does and i guess that's where i'll bring in my show uh which is the awardist um a podcast which i've just listened to uh and it's it's interesting they talk about award shows and stuff like that and, and awards and uh, throughout the year and all this kind of stuff. And they mention about, obviously, the Golden Globes has both the TV side and the film side. Um, but they mentioned about on the TV side how uh, 
the uh, Rachel Brosnahan from Mrs. Maisel, uh, glorious, fabulous Mrs. Maisel, or the Amazon TV show Mrs. Maisel, something. Even Rachel Brosnahan, when she won for Mrs. Maisel, she pointed out that like the Hollywood Foreign Press win was the first thing that pointed to, uh, mm-hmm. to their show even existing. You Definitely. know, like she said, you help people realize that we exist. So I think. You know, the Yay, We Exist Award definitely goes to Kaminsky Method and Very English Scandal this year. What about Killing Me? The Yay, We Exist Award. They should just start calling (laughs) (laughs) And that particular show was like, oh, okay, there's this particular show that I need to watch and seek out. And it's the same with the Kaminsky Method this year. People are like, what on earth is the Kaminsky Method? You know, I've never heard of that show, but it's got Michael Douglas in it and... Alan Arkin, and it's a comedy show on Netflix. And so now people will actually go and seek it out because it's won awards. And maybe that'll work for film, uh, for, for TV, but I probably will work less so for, for film um, because, you know, people actually have to leave their house to go and watch these movies. And, you know, Greenbok hasn't been doing very well, uh, really. Um, doesn't have huge box office. It does not. <clears throat> if it's being uh, labeled as like the... Uh the blindside contender for this year's best picture race, the more palatable mainstream uh, kind of funny, kind of serious, but not like excelling necessarily in like either one of those areas. If that's the sort of charge against it, which there are other controversies around green book to be fair. Uh, yeah, it's not, it is not the blindside. It is, <laughs> it is not sweeping the country, uh, which makes it in particular in a weird position. And I think the best thing that happened to green book was the Bohemian Rhapsody one because I feel like that just people like are upset with Green Book, but they're really fucking pissed about the Queen movie <laughs> winning. Um, I, I I think that's an excellent point about the TV side of it because I think it comes down to access, right? So that marvelous Mrs. Maisel wins. People marvelous, can. That's it. Yeah. You're, you know, you were just giving more compliments, more acclaim to this this show yeah. that I don't think either one of us have bothered to click on as much as that <laughs> the golden Globes i watched tried. the first episode it's 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 good but like i don't know uh it's not for me to, to say at least but people seek it out because it won something but yeah. they can immediately get on and click on that they're like oh, i've never heard of this show so i did see some snark about the kaminsky method winning people are like what the fuck is it i've never heard of this why is this winning awards <laughs> and when i read that i'm i'm also in the same boat where i'm like i two days ago would not have known what that was but isn't that the most optimistic outlook on award shows that they're supposed to highlight things that you that haven't gotten the spotlight yet. Also be fair. This has Michael Douglas. So it's got a big star in it. Um, but that should be a good thing. Whether you agree or not, after you watch the thing, that's initially the purpose of televising these award shows. Like that's why the Oscars used to be what was it like the end of March, mid March? Like there used to be a yeah. long run so people and exhibitors could really push those small movies for those, you know, the opening months of the year and people could catch up with things. But that's, you know, that's become more condensed. And also we've now trained people that, especially for film, they're like, well, I'll wait for Netflix. So there's really, I, I don't know with films what benefit the award shows are really getting as far as it, things breaking out. I think in film circles, the people that would watch movies anyway, fine, gentle nudge. But, you know, for the, the average person at home that's just watching celebrities on television are they going to seek out the wife mm, i don't know but okay so that's the other problem then like this is something which the oscars are really going to uh, grapple with in the next few years is they're having a crisis of 
relevance, I guess, is the best word. Um, because obviously they're on ABC in America, aren't they? Uh, yeah, I think that's it's correct. ABC, yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and ABC has the, they, a couple of years ago, they signed a, I think it was like a 20 year uh, contract with the Oscars to screen the Oscars exclusively. And then pretty much straight after that, they started plummeting. Like viewers were like, well, the fuck, we're going to sit down for three and a half hours to watch people pat themselves on the back and all this kind of stuff. Why are we going to do that? So, you know, there's basically they need to decide, um, you know, are they a piece of entertainment, an award show as like, you know, something that people sit down and engage with and enjoy, or are they legitimately a reason to celebrate the industry and reward the industry at the end of the year and say, here is what we think the industry, us 6,000 people think is the best of this year. Because, you know, to me, the 6,000 people that are voting for the Oscars don't give a shit about the millions of people who are actually watching the ceremony. They don't care about that at all. They, they want to support their own industry and stuff like that. But for the in for the Oscars to actually exist, they need to have viewers. So it's like this thing that's cannibalizing itself uh, for for relevance, basically. Whereas the Golden Globes don't have that issue; they don't care at all because there's as saying there's 90 people or so. So it it only takes 20 votes really uh, for a film like Bohemian Rhapsody to win Best Drama Film. And their their voting really structure is uh, a yeah. is a lot more. It's just simpler, isn't it? Isn't it just like the the top five films from their, their ninety? That's the nominees, and then they do a second round where you vote on those top five, which one yeah. is the best. The Oscars, and you can speak more to this because I. When did they they go with the uh, the new balloting system for the Academy? That I felt like that has really kind of changed how the awards operate. You know, it used to be picture and director were tied, and that's yeah. not been the case in the last I don't know decade. Um, yeah, it's so about 2009. So 2009, they changed it. And people call it the the reason behind it um, was uh, The Dark Knight uh, not getting nominated for Best Picture and all that kind of stuff. I actually think it's more The Dark Knight and Wally not getting nominated for Best Picture because if it was The Dark Knight, then you would have seen more films of its ilk getting nominated since then. And that's not happened. Right. But we've had Toy Story 3 up and you know other animated films getting nominated for major categories and stuff like that so at least those two were nominated for best picture which is you know Wally was on top of everybody's list that year because eh, reasons um but it's i don't know <laughs> but does it <laughs> so, really matter when they have an animated category because it feels like okay this film has no shot it's just like we have deemed you the best animated feature because you've got a best picture nomination and that's it you are, you are not actually in the competition at all yeah, but it's the same as like, you know, documentaries or foreign language films and stuff like that, which is the conversation regarding Roma this year. Everybody's like, well, is Roma really going to win both Best Picture and Best Foreign Language Film? Of course it's not, because they're going to give the award to Best Foreign Language Film there, so there's your Oscar. Be happy with that. You're not going to win Best Picture. There's no way that a black and white Netflix film in a foreign language is going to win Best Picture. It's just, it may be the most accessible out of the films right now, Um but only because people can actually click on their TV and watch it right now. But then they click on it and they go, shit, this is in black and white. Oh, my God, they're speaking, a, you know, not English. Oh, and this is two and a half hours long. Oh, you know, they're going to turn it off. <laughs> Even as someone that talks about movies and consumes them far too much probably for a healthy individual, yeah. uh, which I'm talking to a like-minded soul, 
<laughs> I go to my TV and I see that that one sort of still image that they're using for like all the Roma publicity, where like yeah, they... looks like the children like piled up in one big hug, like on a beach yeah, in black beach. and white. And I look at that and I'm like, mm, not in the mood. So anyway, what else? <laughs> like, <laughs> that looks like it's asking too much of me, too too much emotion, too much feeling, uh, which is strange. There's the disconnect there. I think I wouldn't feel that way if it was a pure theatrical release. But there's there's some sort of disconnect in my mind where it's like this is on my little streaming box. I come here for comfort. I come here to rewatch something or you know something more uh, pulpy, uh, more like a genre fair, like this is something that I should go sit down in the theater because I'm taking this seriously. Yeah. And okay. So apply that logic to the Oscars or the golden globes as well, which are long events. Like people, when they sit down to watch their TV, you know, they want something that's going to relax them. And, you know, three hours of hearing famous people being thankful to their publicists is like, that's not relaxing. Like it's not, for the average person, that's not relaxing. So what's the point of all of this stuff? And that, and that's the thing is that they always reward the same things as well. Like each year in and out, it's always the same five films that are getting rewarded. And inevitably, if you go on film to it, everybody's like, oh, but, you know, Tony Collette gave the best performance in Hereditary. It's like, yeah, okay, she may have done, but doesn't matter. Like... <laughs> <laughs> I would love Whatever. love for you or someone like you to be the Academy's publicist and just put put out those fires during the the uh the politicking during the campaign season and be like, Yeah, that's fine, but does it matter? Just <laughs> pipe down, yeah. that's not gonna happen. Yeah. We're well, not doing that, guys. We're not doing it. So people people turn into comfort food and i think probably like award shows are like the original instagram where it's like you want to like watch pretty people living a life that you don't have and for a moment you kind of you you get to be hanging out with the mcconaughey's or bradley and his you know maybe he's overdressed you get to be gossipy um i don't know how much people actually care about who wins as much as that they're seeing someone that they recognize like have a moment with them and millions of other people they they want they want to be able to say yeah i saw that live there's that still almost sporting element to these seasons uh these seasons where you want to be you know when ricky gervais was hosting you you kind of just wanted to see like who he was going to insult and then you wanted the reaction shot that sort of mm. thing that i guess the problem is if if golden globes is positioning itself as like a precursor to the oscar show if it's the little you know the the jv squad to the the varsity team do you think like the Oscars like have successfully replicated that style from the Globes? And if, if they have, like I'm thinking like when Seth MacFarlane hosts, I felt like they were trying to do kind of what Gervais did a little bit. Like he has that really like sort of We saw your boobs. About, like, we press. saw your boobs. Yeah. In the movie that we saw, we saw your boobs. Meryl Streep, we saw your boobs in Silkwood. Naomi Watson, Mulholland Drive. Angelina Jolie, we saw your boobs in Gia. They made us feel excited and alive. And at the way we saw your boobs. Which even then felt like, hmm. I'm wondering how this made the cut, but now plays even worse in, in this, you know, the Me Too movement in this culture. Yeah, and that was only like four years ago or so. It's like. It feels yeah. like 20. It, like, it feels yeah, like forever it does, ago. doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know. I think. I think that's that's the problem that the Oscars are finding themselves in. They're they're finding 
you know, they're, they're trying to stay relevant and they're trying to get attention in all the wrong ways. And that's why, you know, they threatened the uh, popular film Oscar uh, earlier in the year. And it's like... Which would have been the Black the only... Panther Award, right? That was kind of the idea behind exactly. it. Yeah. We're not racist. Here's an Oscar, you know, kind of thing. <laughs> it's... <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Which is a better award than popular film of the year. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 But I think the reasoning is is that, you know, you go back 20, 30 years, you look at ordinary people, for example, that was one of the highest grossing films of that year. And so, you know, films all like uh One Flew of the Cuckoo's Nest, it made a truckload of money. People were interested in going to watch those kinds of films. So those kinds of films were the popular films. And so, therefore, it made sense to reward ordinary people for best picture. And it made sense that, you know, the the people watching were like, yes, fantastic. I really enjoyed that film. I'm glad that's one. Whereas nowadays, people are like, I don't know what the Hurt Locker is. You know, what is this about? I've got no interest. I went and saw Avatar. Why isn't Avatar winning? That should win because it's the biggest film of all time. And so that's where the Oscars are like, well, how do we marry up what we were 30 years ago with what society is doing now? And I don't know if it'll ever figure itself out. And that's where niche things are going to, um, you know, kind of spring up niche awards groups and stuff like that, critics groups and all that, where you find your own kind of critics group and go and, um, you know, support that. So like Lafka, for example, who always tend to uh, support certain smaller films and stuff like that. And you're like, all right, great. They gave Lily Gladstone for certain women an award. I will follow them because they kind of match what I agree with mm -hmm. and the films that I like. So therefore I'll choose them as my uh, awards group of choice because the Oscars never match up with what I particularly think is going to be the best picture. And I, I don't know, like how many people are actually going to seek out certain films uh, just because they won Best Picture. And when they find out that Spotlight is a film that's about journalists investigating priests who molest kids, like, they don't give a shit if, that's got, if it won Best Picture or not. They're like, I don't have time for that. Like, <laughs> well, I'll give you, yeah, I mean, this is anecdotal, but the, just a little bit of pushback. This this came up, <laughs> um, I, I guess it was during the Globes, or maybe we were just watching a movie, me and my wife on the couch, and uh, she just brought up that uh, at a certain point in her life, um, she was like, I've not, you know, I've not seen enough movies, or I've not seen the right movies, like, a, it, like people who make a reading list, as far as like, you know, you, I've not read the, the classics or modern classics, so they'll, they'll challenge themselves, like, you know, once a week, once a month, whatever. Um, so she had, uh, gone through and just downloaded the, uh, the best picture, all the best picture winners, I guess from a certain point, I don't think she was going back to like what fucking wings or whatever. I don't know from the, like the twenties, yeah. but, um, and was like, okay, not seen that, not seen that, not seen that. And, um, another friend of mine who's been on, uh, some of my podcasts, uh, Derek Stewart, I know he did the same thing with his girlfriend. I was over at his apartment and they had a big like poster board where they were just marking them out like stuff. So I do think there is a little bit of that. It may not be immediate, but I do think that there is some validity to a movie that if you've not heard of. So if you, for whatever reason, if you've not heard of Spotlight 20 years from now, you're like, what was that? It will be on a list and maybe someone will click on it or say, okay, I need to mark this off because at some point it was seen as the best of. Yeah. So like the curation of quality, I guess, is it. And that's where end of year lists come in, in power importance and stuff like that, because we look back and we go, oh, that was 
what I thought was the best film of that year. And this is what X, Y, and Z people thought was the best film of that year. But I think that's only beneficial for a niche group of people, you know, to bring the book analogy back. It's like somebody who's only read Dan Brown picking up inherent vice or, um, <laughs> or infinite jest or something like that and going the fuck. Well, okay. A bit, a, bit, a, bit, a bit extreme. You're, well, <laughs> the the okay, degree so... of difficulty throwing infinite jests at someone like, all right, it's January, starting our book club. Here you go. And hitting them in the head with that thing. Well, I just I just look at it like Shape of Water, for example, right? I'm, I'm still in awe that a film about a mute woman having sex with a fish man won the best film of that year. Now, it's a good movie. Don't get me wrong. But it just doesn't feel like, you know, I'm sure that when people sit down to watch that film, they're like, oh, that is a good quality film. But on paper, when they read that and they're like, oh, okay, well, that's what won. It feels pretentious. It feels like this is high quality that is, you know, above everybody else kind of thing. Uh, you don't understand cinema, so therefore Shape of Water is not for you. I don't know who said that, but I just said it. And so... <laughs> I can I can change this. You know, our format is, is, is two podcasts we've listened to to inspire this conversation. I can just cut this out, and for the first time, a Marcus played. Marcus played will kick off the show as the opening podcast. It sounds good, yeah. <laughs> but but you get what I'm saying, though. It's like this this extreme quality, you know, this landmark of of quality is only really relevant for a small group of people. And is that okay? Is that enough? Like. Is that enough reason for these huge award shows to exist? Or should they just send out a fax and go, all right, guys, you won an Oscar? Well, you know, I mean, a lot of, of a lot of uh, movie podcasts and film blogs try to do that. You know, they they, <laughs> they tweet out, here's our top 10, and it's lost into history. I don't, I don't think that makes the – that's like I make my wife's like little bowl of uh, document that she's cut up the best picture nominees. But I, what I am troubled by is that – I guess the short sightedness of everyone, like, you know, they're okay. Bohemian Rhapsody wins. It's a call to arms. Like we have to fix this because <laughs> if the Oscars <laughs> don't get it right, you know, this is, this is going to be etched in history. And so what we're talking about is we're even debating now, as far as the validity of having that, that long-term sort of placeholder status as best picture winner, which you're saying will matter to very few, but you're not going to see any immediate returns. And I, th I think that's the problem with like, I think the Oscars should lean into their stodginess in a way, like, cause they're talking about, uh, you know, cutting certain awards from the telecast. Like yeah. they'll still give them out, but it'll be during a commercial break. Um, I, they've been talking since I've been born and watching this show, which I probably started watching it when I was like eight or nine, which I, that tells you why I'm on a movie podcast right now, because at yeah. eight years old, I'm following this stupid fucking thing, but it's always been too long. And there's always been things that you've not had access to, but something like Ordinary People you brought up, that has not hurt the legitimacy of Raging Bull, which I believe Ebert said was the greatest film of the 80s, of that decade. Yeah, I mean, you ask, it depends on who you ask. There are some, there are people who are still heartbroken by the fact that Raging Bull didn't win Best Picture. It's not that good a film, people, but, um, you know, Christ. it's... <laughs> I'm talking to... Ordinary People guy, I've been invaded here. Uh, Ordinary People is a good movie. I actually it's, like it's, I like both of those. That's I, I always yeah. felt it was unfortunate for Ordinary People that it, it somehow became like a Shakespearean love type movie because it was like yeah, it won, but this clearly should have. 
So in that regards, like you bring up Shakespeare in Love and the argument against uh, it winning over Saving Private Ryan, like that's something that has continued on or crash over over Brokeback Mountain and stuff like that. And in some, in a lot of ways, they keep both of those films relevant in discussions because Crash will always be married to Brokeback Mountain mm-hmm. because it beat Brokeback Mountain or Moonlight will always be married to La La Land because of sure. what happened mm-hmm. there. So there's two films that are in discussion that will always be remembered because of a certain event. Um, but I guess this kind of, uh, this curation of cinema in regards to, you know, people en masse voting for what they believe is the best of that year... <sighs> It, it does carry value because, yeah, I mean, people seek it out and stuff like that. But in the moment, it just feels, I don't know. That's why people get upset about Bohemian Rhapsody. They're like, are we really going to let a film that was directed by Brian Singer win Best Picture and all this kind of stuff? And look, Fred from Florida, you're not going to be able to stop Bohemian Rhapsody from winning Best Picture. If it's going to win Best Picture, it's going to win Best Picture. Like, and there's look, nothing to be fair, on Twitter can do. <laughs> Fred from Georgia probably doesn't even fucking know. Uh, that it was directed yeah. by Brian Singer, or if he even knows who Brian Singer is at that point, he just yeah. like, oh, I like Queen. That was a good movie. It was fun. Exactly. That's that's all that matters. And um, so the the whole politics behind what filmmakers made what film and and all this kind of stuff comes into the discussion in certain ways. And it's like, you know, it, it's like I um it's frustrating to the sense where, yes, I want to see more people of color getting nominated for acting awards and all this kind of stuff. But I also kind of like, whenever I come to a new award season and I see like, Oh, there's only two people of color that are in consideration. I'm like, I can't deal with this anymore in the sense that it's like this whole political conversation about the show becomes too much where it's like, there's so much, like, I, I, I don't exactly know what I'm trying to say here, but basically like, the show itself isn't relevant enough to get upset about people of color not getting nominated because mm. it doesn't matter. Obviously, no change is occurring, and the Oscars are becoming gradually irrelevant. So, what's the point, basically? Um, well, do you which think... is not to say I don't want more people of color getting nominated. I do, but it's just like <laughs> I want to clarify. That, but I'm just like, <laughs> well, the industry isn't changing. It doesn't give a shit, basically. So, why should we give a shit? Do you do you think that? You know, film podcasts, um, film bloggers, or people who just like to talk about movies on social media. Do you think that they apply the same pressure to themselves when they're saying, "Here's here's our or my official top ten list"? Is there something disingenuous about their list where they're they're treating it as a political act, or or are they being disingenuous by attacking like the Oscars or the Globes for not doing it? But they don't ever consider it themselves. They just pick here of the ten movies I like the best. Yeah, and then they look at the list and it oh, oddly enough, it matches up with what the Oscars did. Um, so it's like, <laughs> what were you whinging about? But, <laughs> you know, whatever, you know, it's fine. Um, but I guess, look, I, I personally, I do it myself. You know, I know, like, for me, it's a niche. I, I have a niche interest. I'm very keen on Australian cinema, so... I try and, you know, while I don't favor to, you know, have a favorite, like I don't, you know, favoritism towards Australian films and stuff like that and, and give them an extra rating or an, anything like that, I do at least try and push them as much as possible. So if they end up in my top 10 list and it's like it's partially 
because yes, I love that film, but also it's like, if it's in my top 10 list, then maybe somebody will seek out mm. this film. Um, and, you know, small self-promotion, but I wrote this piece about Sweet Country and how it's like, it's one of the best reviewed Australian films. Um, it's won a bunch of awards uh, at the Australian Oscars recently. And yet it is absent from film discussion in a lot of ways. So it's like, obviously the Australian Academy Awards are pointless as, you know, nobody internationally is talking about them. So what's the point of, you know, the, the actual ceremony itself is nobody's talking about it and nobody is getting interest in Australia's best reviewed film. It doesn't matter. Like, Zama, for example, is one of the best reviewed films of the year. Fucking nobody's watched that. And it's on Amazon Prime. But it's also kind of like it's a foreign language film about some dude getting stuck in a different country. And it's like, you know, basically what I'm it's an existential crisis you put me in here, Michael. Um, As you continue to talk, it's just getting more and more depressing. Like the episode is yeah. just. <laughs> <laughs> what is the point of what I'm doing? <laughs> Is anybody paying attention uh, out there, basically? Uh, yeah, and go and watch Sweet Country. Uh, there you go. That's that's the point well, of that. Okay. But, yeah. That's that's the thing. Like, if you don't like it, why why are you paying attention? Why <laughs> why do we <laughs> as film fans? Why do we even feel the need like to discuss the Globes? And I'm I'm not chiding this show, Marcus played because we're good. It's them. It's you know the other people because right? I'm yeah. If, if sorry, you, you don't need to tell me that. I know yeah, that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> Because if you just look at it as like something fun, and to me, when the Queen movie won, I—I I mean, I was laughing, and I say that I've not seen it. I'm not laughing at the people that made it. Uh, I'm not laughing um, in some sort of dickish way, like "haha, this will make a lot of people upset." I'm just like this should emphasize more than anything that this is just what the majority of ninety people extremely small like a lot of the like film podcasts and people i follow online you have more followers and you have more engagement than 90 people why why are you getting so upset like we we have put the golden globes up on some sort of pedestal we the the movie fans it's not the the people who don't give a shit about this that are like well i guess bohemian rhapsody gotta see that now because the globe said so it's really only the cinephiles who are giving it the credence to make them upset and i I, this episode more than anything for me is just like sort of a warning like don't rely on the academy to fix everything for you like it's just it's yeah. a much larger group it's what six thousand ish members thereabouts but, yeah but don't rely on even then that's still a minuscule amount of people in the world and don't allow them to dictate like all right we're gonna we're gonna write the ship here we're gonna fix what the globe's messed up for cinema in 2018 no don't it, don't give them that power don't do it yeah, it's not going to happen. Like, they're not going to reward what you think is the best film or you what you think is uh, the most deserving. And I think, and, and you know, to apply what you've just said, like, they're not going to write things, you know, to what I was saying before about people of color getting nominated. That's exactly it. They're not going to fix an industry. They're not going to fix the world by, you know, basically priests are probably still out there molesting kids, even though Spotlight won <laughs> Best Picture. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, you know, it's like. Thank you for listening to another doesn't... episode of Marcus Played. Hope you're enjoying this song by local singer songwriter Josh Nolan. Thank you for allowing us to use your work. 
on this content. <laughs> I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, but the editing mic is like, there's your ending. There's <laughs> That's how we get out of this mess. That's it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But it's true, though. It's true. <laughs> Yeah. Well, okay, like Moonlight, because um, you know I'm, I'm leaving myself room to just edit all the rest of this out because it's such a such a great ending you left us with. But <laughs> even Moonlight, like politically, uh, where I'm left leaning, I can be happy that it won Best Picture, uh, but it wasn't in my top ten that year, and neither was La La Land. I, I was sort of out of the the race as far as like, well, that's just that's not my particular taste. And as a film fan, I don't feel like I need to take up arms and become Team Moonlight or Team La La Land because neither one of them particularly spoke to me. I had issues with either film, and I liked different parts of that film. I also felt like uh, Trevante Rhodes, that was my pick that year for Best Supporting Actor. Right. Yeah. That was my, that was one of my favorite performances. So <laughs> even when Moonlight, you know, they're rewarding an actor of color and a, a member of that film, a cast member... I'm like, well, they still fucking got it wrong. Like, <laughs> I'm not going to go online and throw a fit because it didn't f- go with my personal belief that this actor should have won for Moonlight. Yeah, exactly. And then if you look at, like, the discussion of Bird Box, right, on Twitter, everybody's like, oh, Bird Box is great, Bird Box is great. But then you look a little bit further and, like, people are like, oh, my God, Trevante Rhodes, uh, I'm, he's the most beautiful thing ever that I've seen. Like, do you see all these people who are tweeting about Trevante Rhodes in Bird Box, like this is the very first time that they've ever seen him. And it's kind of like, hey, guys, he was in a film called Moonlight, which won Best Picture just two years ago. Like, did you not watch that before watching this? Like, if Bird Box is your first interaction with this particular actor, then screw it. It doesn't work, is what you're saying. It doesn't matter. It doesn't work at all. It doesn't matter. Like, it doesn't matter how attractive he is in, you know, it doesn't. Andrew, are you okay? Are you? <laughs> I'm sure Mr. Rhodes is quite pleased with how he looks. Like he's, he thinks that it matters a little bit to him. He feels good about himself. <laughs> he looks after his body. That's the main thing. You know, <laughs> we should be thankful. It's good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Goodness, it, it took us an hour and a half, but you you started throwing haymakers there. At the end. It's almost 1 a.m., so it's like, you know, okay. the giddiness is kicking in, so All it's right. good. Well, I think, <laughs> no, I, mean, we can, I think, to, I, well, I think, to, to wrap it up, I don't. I don't really know. Like, I think a lot of these episodes, I, I feel like we come in like, all right, here's the, the subject that's being discussed among cinephiles. And usually uh, staying on brand, we come in and we're like, we don't have any answers. I think it's, I think it's, it's mostly fucked, but uh, I don't know if I should applaud the people that are really out there trying to get people to watch the movies they feel are more deserving of eyeballs. That's, that's a good thing. I don't know if relying on award season as the sledgehammer aspect of that conversation. I don't know if you're going to win hearts and minds by saying you should watch sweet country because it should have won best picture and Bohemian Rhapsody. They're all a bunch of shitheads and fuck anyone who likes this movie. You know, that when you get to that point where you're using, you're using an award show that no one really cares about and the people that you want to see sweet country 
probably don't care about award show, then just remove that element from the conversation. Just just exactly. love what you love. Yeah. What was your favorite film of the year as well? Because I'm sure that's not getting any awards tension. Uh, my favorite film of the year was eighth grade. And unfortunately, in <laughs> the only thing that I think that sniffed in this conversation is the poor lead actress uh, getting reprimanded <laughs> on Twitter for enjoying Bohemian Rhapsody. <laughs> yeah, well, and that's a perfect example of this. It's like this poor girl who's like, hey, good film. Really enjoyed it. Congratulations. And then, yeah, everybody uh, shoveling on her. I Yeah, Which... I've always had that problem with, I guess, uh, you know, woke Twitter in particular, where um, there, the, you know, you remove the conversational aspects of it. There, there was actually a, a really, I wish I, I probably saved it on my phone, but there was a, a, a commentator. I think she was an activist, uh, and it was a black woman. And her simple tweet was, "Hey, when um, your black friends uh, tell you, presumably, I guess, white person in this scenario, that you've said something racist, maybe your first reaction shouldn't be." I'm not racist. How could you, how dare you call me a racist and take it more as this is a, a, a friendly nudge from someone who cares about you that, uh, you know, maybe, maybe you've sort of crossed into a line and you're not even aware of it and just con- and continue the conversation. And I'm like, that's fantastic. That's perfect. I think in this instance, you know, this, this actress, Elsie Fisher, like in her follow-up tweet was like, I, what, what in the world is going on with Bohemian Rhapsody? Like, why am I getting so many hateful mentions? Like what, what have I, what, what did I say in my congratulations to this movie? It was fun. I liked it. There's insulted some people and people explained here's, you know, this is why people are mad or they probably cussed at her on Twitter. Mm. Uh, and I think her follow-up tweet was like, I had, I didn't know that, you know, that's, you know, I, I definitely don't agree with that aspect of it. You know, I like the movie, but you know, may, maybe I'll try to, I'll try to like look into things that I enjoy more and be a part of the conversation and that's fine and i think that's a really respectful mature like response i still don't think she should be attacked or anyone for even if you know the things that we think we know about brian singer i still am not going to attack like my stepmom for saying like i really like bohemian rhapsody i'm not gonna be like well listen here shithead that's because you're ignorant (laughs) you're stupid (laughs) you know (laughs) <laughs> there's maybe a more graceful way you can say like, well, here's why I'm choosing not to watch it, but it's not you. You had no part of this. You you have nothing to do with this. This, <laughs> my Kentucky stepmother has no involvement. I assure you. And I think I'm pretty sure Elsie Fisher also has no involvement with it. It's just a movie she watched and she enjoyed. Exactly. Yeah. But cancel culture is, is not good. And cancel culture, which, you know, people just jump on. And then as soon as somebody says something that is, you know, a fraction wrong. Uh, it just, you know, the stacks on effect is not great. And that's something which people, it's a whole different discussion, but it's something which people need Part to two work of this better on next week. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> people need to work better on that. So go and do your homework. Uh, people <laughs> is it? Yeah. Work better on talking online. Yeah. That's my two we cents. We are definitely not solving that. So <laughs> <laughs> this is the final episode of Marcus Blade. There will be no part two because there's no point. No point in it all.